All right, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, uh, who's been enjoying this uh, Christmas Perspectives? I've been loving just looking at it from just different angles. Uh, we started with God the Father and really looked at uh, just how time, God was outside of time watching everything take place and really brought the question to us, are things getting worse or is your miracle getting closer? And then uh, last week, Melissa uh, spoke about uh, John the Baptist and really in just encouraged us to actually see Jesus in things. Uh, John the Baptist was able to see Jesus, uh, not, not with his physical eyes, but with his perception. He was able to perceive Jesus. Uh, and this morning, I want to talk about Joseph, and then Melissa will finish up with uh, Mary on uh, Christmas Eve. So I'm really excited to, uh, to, to hear that, and you don't want to miss that message. But what, are we, I just, what we want to do this morning is I want to look at how Joseph saw things, how Joseph processed things, and then how we can actually learn from him and apply it to our life. How something, <laughs> and really it's cool, we're looking at a, a way the guys, a, a way, the way a guy 2,000 years ago saw things and how it can change your life today. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start just reading uh, from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I love this... this uh, gospel really just hits it from Joseph's angle. Other gospels we, we, we see about the angelic visits to Mary and how, how they have a conversation and, and the angel in full visibility tells this young girl, hey, uh, God's chosen you, you're highly favored and all this cool stuff's going to happen and you're going to, and she has this process and she's like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Let's do this, whatever you say. But we really, uh, I, lo I love Matthew's gospel when we're, we've got Joseph in mind because there's none of that. It, it says here, this is how it all happened. Jesus' mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. So basically, this bloke's engaged. Then his missus is pregnant. Now, he knows it's not his. And can you imagine that conversation? Just start there. Joseph, look, no, 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 no. An angel came and spoke to me and then the Holy Spirit came and, and, and that's how it all happened. It's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be the one we've, our whole nation's waited for for thousands of years. And Joseph's like, rightio. He uh, obviously didn't believe her. That's if that conversation took place. We can only imagine, but I, I expect it possibly did. He didn't believe her, but he was a classy guy. And even though he was slighted, even though he was offended, even though he was 
mistreated in his mind. He, he didn't want to lash back. He didn't want revenge. He just thought, take back care of business quietly, do it right, and just get on with my life. Then he is visited in a dream, and now he's got an angel speaking to him, saying, hey, yeah, you, you stick with her. Oh, yeah, well, no, one, no one's included you in this conversation, but that girl that you're engaged to, yeah, she's actually, yeah, they, they had a conversation separately apart from you. It's all been decided, all been arranged. Turns out you're, you're needed to raise the Messiah. You need to be stepdad to the King of Kings. No pressure, no choice, really. <laughs> he, he wasn't included in the, the discussion, in the decision. He had no, uh, he, he wasn't, you can imagine Mary when the angel rocks up and this, Mary, you highly favoured one, you've been chosen to bear the Messiah. And she's like, no way, man, we are not doing this. Then, then like, God would have had to renegotiate. He would have had to come up with another plan. Joseph had no flexibility in this arrangement. And I can only imagine what Joseph went through. First he wakes up and is like, whoa, was that a pizza dream? It's like, no, pizza's not invented for like another 2,000 years. And then he, it says here that, and then he awoke. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, don't be afraid. And it says, she will give birth to a king. All this, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He wasn't given the option. He wasn't presented with choices in the sense that, hey, I've got this great idea, Joseph. You know how we've been needing a Messiah? You've got to remember now that this is the Jewish people. They're under Roman occupation. Things are as bad as they've ever been in their lifetime. You think about COVID and, you know, the pressures we've faced this year. These guys are facing pressures that make that look like nothing. Where you've got soldiers from foreign governments in your own streets making you do things that they want you to do. Where you've really got no control and no authority and no power in your own country. And he's like, you know how we've been like, life sucks a bit lately. He's like, you are the one chosen to steward the miracle that I want to do that's not just going to rescue your nation, but it's going to rescue planet Earth. And that was put on him. He had a call put on him. He, <laughs> have you ever felt like that? You're like, I had no say in this. But here I am. Some of you kids church workers, that was your thought. It's like, I don't really remember putting my hand up for it, but God tapped me on the shoulder and here I am. Or, you know, that maybe that grandkid that just had to, that moved in or that child that got sick and needed that extra attention, needed that extra care, that the, the challenges that came, that you really had nothing at all, no power over that happening except it was thrust on you and you needed to step up, you needed to respond. For some of us, it's that call in your heart that won't leave you alone, that thing that keeps you up at night, the dream to, to be an influence for, for good, to be able to change people's life, that won't leave you alone. And you're like, I don't want this thing, get away from me. And it just, it's there and it won't leave. It's just like I had no say and it was just thrust on me. And, this was, and, and that's how God operates. Yeah. He's not really concerned too much about your opinion. 
He's like, you know what? No, you're good. Trust me. He's like, no, 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 that's not me. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, you're the one. <laughs> Check this out and I'll show you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. For he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestines us. Yeah. He predestines us. He gives you stuff to do. He's got plans for your life. Before there were bushes put on this rock, God knew you and he had some stuff that he predestined for you. Ephesians 2, we move into the next chapter. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. When God predestined you before the creation of the world to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Man, you had no say in the call on your life. Joseph had no say in the call on his life. You have no say in the call on your life. Whether you answer the call is one thing, but the call is not up to you. And really what I want us to learn this morning is to, are we going to answer the call? Because as much as Mary could have told the angel no, Joseph could have told the angel no. He could have walked off. He could have. And Psalms 139 verse 16 says this, You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We're starting to get a really clear picture that so much of our life is outside of our control. So much of our life was put in place before you were a twinkle in your dad's eye, before the nation of Australia was uh, <coughs> the continent separated from the other continents. Let's forget about... And the progression of things, you were already known by your father. You already had a life planned for you by your father. You had already had a call put on your life by your father, by your creator. And, and Jeremiah puts it like this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God's got a plan. And we're like Joseph. We're really in that position is like he were, are you going to say yes to the call that God's put on your life? Another way of looking at it is Joseph was asked to raise, to take from birth, from even before birth, because he was asked to take Mary in while she was pregnant, while the promise, while the miracle was in the gestation period, was in embryonic form, it was growing. He was asked to take the miracle in. And he was asked to keep this miracle safe, to steward this miracle, to grow this miracle, to develop it, to, be, to become the answer that was supposed to be, the outworking of the miracle. Are you going to say yes to the miracle that God has asked you to steward? Now, I just want to get really practical for the next, about another 20 minutes left. I just want to get super practical with, with how Joseph would have saw things and, uh, you know, and, and, and how we can take on board maybe the attitudes he had. So let's just think, Joseph being, is presented with this opportunity, shall we call it. I love, there's, you know, there's a Chinese proverb that says uh, that, that something about the word Problem and opportunity are like the same word. There's some figure, I'm probably totally messing that up, but problem and opportunity are like the same word. So Joseph has been presented with an opportunity. 
when we get presented with things, we need to understand that before time, God saw them and he was giving them to you as an opportunity. And as Joseph was presented as, with this opportunity, you can imagine the challenges that possibly came up. First century Middle East, extremely conservative, if you would like to call it. Extremely. To the point where these days, if someone has a child out of wedlock, it's something that can be a point of tension for some people. It's not even a thought that it just, just is the way it is. No concern whatsoever. Back then... It was an offence punishable by execution. Not execution like, it, execution by throwing rocks at them really hard until they die. The worst type of long, drawn out way of killing someone you possibly can was the consequence for a woman getting pregnant out of wedlock, especially to somebody who was not her betrothed or her husband. So we're talking quite conservative. <laughs> what would Joseph have thought? Uh, what would his parents have said? Oh, no, it's good, Mum. No, no, that's, it's God. God got her pregnant. No, an angel come and visited me in my dreams. She's like, are you sure it wasn't the pizza? But no, Mum, pizza's not around for another 2,000 years. <laughs> There's no other account of angels visiting his close family and friends, letting them know that this isn't all, it's all above board. He's not crazy. She's not crazy. There's no account of any of that. I think it would be in the canon of scripture if it was there because I think it'd be pretty important for us to know it's not there. We can only assume that the people directly spoken to and mentioned in their Bible were people that were spoken to supernaturally, which leaves us with a situation where Joseph has got this pregnant wife to someone that's not him and people know. First problem, what are people going to say? Now, the, the, you get to a point where when God's put a dream in your heart, God's asked you to steward a miracle, you know things. You've got a concrete assurance inside of you where you know the call that God has placed on your life. And you know what you're going to come up against? You're going to come up against people that don't see it. They're going to be like, right, yeah, that came from God. It's like, no, you're actually crazy. Um, you know, then they'll be looking at things like, you're not educated enough. No, this couldn't have happened. Oh, you're a bit extreme, aren't you? Even inside the church, you're going to have people, well-meaning people, that'll be pointing out all the reasons why not. And the only thing that could actually make it so is if there was a direct word from God. So this couple have had a direct word from God. They, they know they're in the middle of a miracle. They know that there is a, a miracle that's on its way through them and they need to cooperate. They need to steward this miracle. But they know that this miracle is going to change the world. So I don't think they're too fussed about what people are saying. For us, we've actually got to take a hold of the word God's given us, the call that God's put on our lives, that sense of destiny that's in our heart where we know we're called to do something. We have to take a hold of that and maybe stop listening to what everyone else is saying because really they don't know. God hasn't spoken to them about you and why would he? He's talking to them about them. We're worried about everybody talking about us. The first thing is, is probably most people aren't talking about you. I promise you, you're way less important than you think you are. 
I mean that in the nicest possible way, but it's the truth. We in our own heads, we're 24 hours a day. It's all about Jacob. Jacob is his most important person. <laughs> this nose I see everywhere I look. It's Jacob's nose. Everybody must think that Jacob is at the centre of attention. <laughs> of course not. They've got their own nose. For the tiny bit of attention they do give you outside of the time they're with you, yeah, it might not be positive, but haters are going to hate. To bring it into the 21st century vernacular, haters are going to hate. And they won't say they're hating and they will never identify themselves as a hater. They will say, I'm realistic. I'm just being sensible. You'll tell them your dreams and they'll shoot them down. They'll tell you you're crazy. They'll say all sorts of things. Well, you've got to decide, does that matter? You need to make that decision. You need to make the decision, am I going to please you or am I going to please God? And I promise you, at the end of the day, those people are going to go home to their own houses. For some of you, it might be in your own house, but they're going to go to sleep and shut their own eyes. And you've got to be able to stand before God. You have to make the decision whether you would rather stand before God, knowing you held faithfully to the miracle he gave you to steward or whether you were okay in other people's eyes you didn't rock the boat you didn't upset people the problem is is everyone's going to get upset with you anyway even though you're not important you still find a way of irritating most people you come into contact with it's just like might as well be doing it while you're on track towards your destiny okay now the next one's probably so I, I don't that i that one doesn't get me too much uh, there's an Italian word that describes my personality. It's called testadura. Is that right? Hard-headed. <laughs> Hard-headed. It means there seems to be this inability to process greatly other people's opinions of me. Melissa will get things and she said, oh, didn't you see what they wrote about? No, I didn't read it. Why didn't you? Because I don't care. <laughs> and I'm like, just don't read it. If she gets the things and they happen, don't read it. She's like, how can you not read it? I'm just like, just don't. Who cares? So for me, that's not one that I struggle with, but I know that is a, a big one that some people struggle with, is what, are, what do people think? Uh, what, are my, what does my circle think? What does my family think? What do my friends think? What are the, so the people I care about in my life think? The one that really is probably my biggest challenge is, is this next one, is when presented with the miracle that God's asking me to steward, I'm... I'm challenged with the thought, the idea that I'm not enough. Now, having been a dad of three kids, I can promise you on that first kid, I did not feel adequate. I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. It was like, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I, like, uh, I was one of those people that... Oh, <laughs> when, we were, when Melissa was uh, heavy with child... Late, late, late in the, uh, in, a, in, you know, through the pregnancy, going for evening walks, and she's like, oh, we won't be able to do this when we have kids, and I'm like, why not? <laughs> she's like, well, you know, you've got to, and I said, well, don't they sleep? <laughs> yeah. They're asleep, why not? <laughs> and she looked at me in a look I've never forgotten, and I thought, you can't say that to her again. <laughs> You're going to have to figure this one out. You're not going to wait for an answer here. But I'm telling you, I had no idea, and I felt I just grossly inadequate. And then as the challenges came up, I, I was like, where is the book on this thing? And fortunately, we did have some amazing resources, which helped a lot. Still did not answer the questions. It still, 
And then it came, a, a girl came along, and I knew, I've lived with two women, in, or three women in my life. My mum, my stepmom, and my wife. No girls, or my, my I've never, I knew nothing about raising girls, I knew nothing. And then this girl came, and then everything, the rules are all different. There's this section of my heart that all of a sudden is just boom, totally different to the boys. I'm like, well, what do I do with this? How do I... And then all of a sudden, I've just got this totally new challenge, this totally new miracle I'm called to steward that I've got no idea what I'm doing and I'm grossly unprepared for. Joseph was being asked to father, to raise the king, <coughs> not just the king his people were expecting, the king that was going to, the king of kings, God incarnate, God on earth. He was being asked to be a stepdad to, to God himself. <laughs> you guys, you remember what it was like when you took that kid home or the different circumstances when your kids got home, you felt inadequate. I reckon it's got nothing on this guy. First, he's <laughs> talk about inadequate. And as we deal with our inadequacies and this sense that I'm... God will call you to do things you can't do. God will call you to do things you can't do. The, my answer for you, if you're worried about being inadequate, is yes, you are. You're right. You can't do it. Except, except, there's a passage in Philippians, and I love this passage. Yeah, this, I live by this passage. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I've got it in the amplified version here. It says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. It's moving from the realm of self-adequacy to, it says here, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So I know you can't do it, but you're not called to do it by yourself. You're called to do it with God. And with God, you can do it. And this has been my challenge because, to be really honest, it is, uh, it's like one of those promises from God that I accept and grab and believe, but then when the pressure comes, I let go of it and then try to do things in my own strength and freak out because I can't do it in my own strength and how me and why and I don't, too much I and me and, you know, the noser because I'm so important and it matters so much. And, you, and I find myself in this place where my eyes are off God, my eyes are on myself and I'm back in the place where I can't do what God's called me to do because I was never supposed to apart from him. And Jeremiah, the, uh, this amazing prophet, he's one of my favorite books in the Bible. But the, at the start of the, of the book, it, um, verse 4, it says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Again, we're seeing how God distrusts destiny on people. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you. Do whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. It says, do not say, I am too. What's your word? I remember being asked to pastor this church at the age of 27. 
And I believe you me, I am too young was front and centre. He says, do not say, I am too, because I am with you. So I don't know what you're being called to do and what your reason is and your excuse is, but God is saying, take your eyes off yourself. The truth of it is, is if you can do it in your own strength, I would question whether that call was from God. I would present you with the question, was that really God? Because my God calls me to walk by faith and not by sight. If it's without faith, I think it's without God. God calls us to step into realms where we need Him. He calls us to be bigger than ourselves. And we've got all sorts of reasons why we capitulate. You see, our biggest problem is believing our own narrative. Now, if we're hanging on to the narrative of I'm not enough, what we'll actually find ourselves doing is we'll either find ourselves trying to prove it, self-sabotaging, collapsing, breaking things down, just not functioning properly. The most clear example I see of this is my kids, and I'm teaching them to ride a bike, there's this hill near our house. There's a grass hill at the park. They fall over. They can't really do much damage to themselves. Get them on their two-wheelers. You know, we pull the training wheels off and get them on their two-wheelers. All you've got to do is point the thing straight, hold it roughly straight, roll down the hill, you're good. You can do this. No, I can't do this. You can do this. No, I can't. And I know they can do this. I'm dad. I understand how a bike works. I understand how gravity works. I understand how they work. I understand lots of things. You can do this. I know you can. No, I can't. And they get on their bike and they go all floppy and just collapse down the hill and roll and get tangled up in their frame and it's a disaster. (laughs) And sometimes God will call us and that's our response. I'll get on the bike. Yeah, I'm being obedient because I'm on the bike. Yeah, I'm being obedient because I start to roll down the hill, but I'm all floppy and I'm being passive and I'm being uh, not responding. I'm not cooperating. I'm not using the power and the ability that God's given me to prove you that I can't do this because I know I can't do this. So I'm right. The other side of it is, is you believe you can't do it. So you use all your strength. I need to use extra of me because there's not enough of me to do this. So I need to do more of me. And, and then we, we, what we call driven people. And they're actually constantly striving and driving because they've got a question. They're always trying to answer. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. They work too hard. They're the people who, who, who do not relax, who do not rest, who can't stop. And they actually often look good in life. These are often high achievers. These are often people that look like they're answering the call of God on their life. And to a degree they are. The same is to a degree the obedient one got on the bike and started to roll before they tangled in the wet spaghetti. But they both got the same problem. Inside they do not believe they're enough. Inside they are not secure with who they are and who their God is and, and the relationship and the ability that God wants to use them to do what he's called them to do on planet earth. They're the same, just different expressions of the same sickness. We need to be people who get over ourselves. And if God says, you can, I don't understand it, but whatever, you're the boss. A challenge I've had recently, well, not recently, as in the last 10 years, recently. uh, We used to have a, before we got modern and stopped printing newsletters and things, I used to put a a, a little letter in the back of each bulletin we, we did. And there was just a a small note of encouragement, and more recently you guys would have seen it and was we email it out each week. 
And when I started doing them, uh, I really felt God saying, Jacob, I want you to put 365 of these together and make a book. And I'm thinking, man, why on earth would anyone read anything from me? Who am I? Who am I? And I'm with wet noodle in that bike right down that hill, tangling up in the front. And, I just, and, and to be really, really honest, it's taken me 10 years to finish and I've just finished now and missed our deadline because of wet noodles. And, but I've asked some people that I know to, to have a look at it. And these are some high-profile people that are just really well-known men of God. And they've said, hey, this is amazing. This is going to change lives. This is really good. And I'm like, and I'm saying to Mel, oh, no, this is no good. And Mel's like, are you crazy? And to be honest, I'm at a point where I just have to get over myself and actually believe, you know what? It's not whether I can, it's whether God said to. And if God said to, then I give it everything. A good way of looking at it is this, Bruce Lee uh, has, a, has a, an idea that he, he talks about with, for those who don't know, Bruce Lee is like a martial arts uh, he's probably the one that popularised martial arts in the West. But his whole idea was punch through what you're aiming at. So if you're wanting to hit a board here, you actually punch behind it. Actually punch through it. You're not just hitting it, you're smashing through it. And to actually have that idea when God calls us to do something, we're not just hit it, we smash through it. And, and to really understand that idea. And we need to be attacking the call that God's put out in our life to go through it. Not just going through the motions. We need to get to what he's done and then on the other side is our next assignment. And the last thing I really want to touch on is, uh, is a big one. And, I, and I've seen a lot of people let go of the call of God in their life because of this one. Uh, this is a one that I struggled with particularly early in my walk with God before I understood God and his nature. It was... I was afraid I was going to miss out in life. Can you imagine Joseph? This guy... The scripture says he was a God-fearing man. So to understand scripture properly, God-fearing man, he was doing things God's way, which meant he was successful at what he was doing. He had a trade, he was a chippy. You can only imagine, like, at that time, I expect uh, being a carpenter would have been a very in-demand occupation in, you know, Israel. He would have had his life mapped out marry this beautiful girl, have kids, they work for dad and this, you know, the legacy continues and, and then all of a sudden his dream life is just ripped from under him. The picture he had was gone and he had to weigh up, the, he had to weigh up, am I missing out? Is my life going to be worse because I'm chosen to follow God? Am I going to miss out by answering this call? And I think that would have been one of the big ones for Joseph. I know it's one of the big ones for us, so I expect it, I don't think much has changed in humanity. I've probably seen this one take out more young men than any other uh, challenge that comes up when it comes to stewarding your miracle. It's, will I miss out in life? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Catch this. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will for your life 
is good, it's pleasing, that means you're going to like it, and it's perfect, that means it can't be improved on. Jesus put it like this. I've got it in a few translations, it's that good. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. The NIV puts it like this, uh, the NLT, sorry, puts it like this. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The Message Bible puts it like this. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. <laughs> That's the life God's got for you. That's the life we have if we choose to accept the mission He's put on our life to steward this miracle. You're not going to miss out. You're promised the best life that you could possibly have if we do it His way. So I know that God puts lots of stuff on our heart. And we have the, we have the option, like Joseph had, are we going to answer that call? that's been thrust on us are we going to say yes and the truth of it is is before you can say yes to the call on your life you need to say yes to God himself it, it's pointless to get to the end of it all and have achieved all these amazing things but to not know your father and not be known by your father we read here that uh, a real and eternal life that God has for us. I just want to pray for everyone here. I'm going to just ask if every head's bowed and every eye's closed, and we're going to pray. I just want to give people, if you've never made that choice, to say yes to God, to give Him first place in your life, to put Him at the position of Lord of your life. And if that's you, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just love to give you the opportunity to respond, and that includes... Uh, you guys that are joining us uh, online. If that's you, I just invite you to put your hand in the air just while no one's looking around, just so I can see and I'll know to be praying for you specifically. And if you're on uh, online, I just want you to maybe put yes in the comments or uh, inbox yes to, uh, to the server there. Just give one more moment. Uh, we're going to pray, and I just want to ask everybody to join after me. Uh, dear God, today I choose to follow you. I choose to say yes to your call. I choose to say yes to the plan that you have for my life. Amen. And I just want to pray for all of us and just seal this word. Lord, I just thank you that there is nobody here that you don't have a plan for their life, God. There is no one here that you haven't called by name, that you haven't given a mission, something amazing for them to achieve, some, some, some people in life to influence for the better to help, Lord, that everybody here is significant in your eyes and the plan that you've got for their life is significant in eternity. So, Lord, we just thank you for them and I bless them. And we just say, uh, work in our lives, God. For those that need help with caring about what people think, Lord, that our insecurities would evaporate. For those that feel inadequate, Lord God, that we would take a hold of your sufficiency. Uh, for those of us, Lord, that feel like that this, the temptations of the world are so strong, Lord, that we would see that your plan for our life is the best plan. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, we're just going to sing one more song, one more, uh, before we, one more carol before we go and have a party out the back. So why don't we just all take our feet and uh, take our feet. I don't think that's the right word. Stand to our feet and, uh, and, and join in. <laughs>